Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the first Sunday after the Epiphany. It is also the Sunday in which we think about the baptism of our Lord. We're going to begin our service with the service of word and sacrament, the opening of that, and we'll sing to start hymn number 82, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. us to come into his presence and worship him 
with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading for this first Sunday after the Epiphany, the Baptism of Our Lord Sunday, is from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 to 7. This is one of God's servant songs in which God the Father speaks of his servant Jesus and talks about him being anointed to be our Savior and our way to eternal salvation. God the Father said, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. This is what the Lord, what God the Lord says, he who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Alleluia. To Jesus, God the Father said, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Alleluia. Chapter 10, verses 34 to 38. 
in this section, the Apostle Peter is going to Cornelius, a Gentile, and, well, God had just revealed to Peter that the message of salvation, he should make sure to reach out to the Gentiles with that message, well, to this Gentile since Cornelius. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Let's continue now with our next hymn. That's hymn number 93. Hymn number 93. Hail to the Lord's anointed. Stand for us. 
God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. Amen. The word of God we want to consider this first Sunday after the Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord Sunday, is from Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 to 17 where Matthew does tell us about Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow believers in the Christ, the Son of God, and the Son of Man, there is a rather unique copy of the Constitution that is kept in Washington, D.C. And when you look at this copy of the Constitution, at first it, it looks kind of strange. There are squiggly lines, the letters are shaped kind of weird, and they're shaped that way because it's trying to show you something. When you look at it up close, you see that there, yes, the words of the Constitution are there, but those words are printed to make those lines and shapes so that you see the face of George Washington. The lines are all perfectly set up just so that it looks like that. And it, it appears there that what the person was trying to do is, well, if you think about George Washington, he is the man who symbolizes really the freedom of our country. And, and as he shines through all the history of our country, of our nation, so what we also, and symbolizes the freedom of our country, so also we think about Jesus as he shines through the history of the world. And as he shines through the history of the world, he gives us that picture of the freedom that we really have. Freedom from Satan, sin, death, and hell because of everything that he and his grace and mercy has done for us. Well, George Washington, if you think about it, he may symbolize the freedom that we have in our country, but Jesus the Savior, he doesn't just symbolize the freedom that we have. He is the reason for the freedom that we have because of everything that he's done for us, because he paid for our sins, because he won for us heaven. That's why we have real freedom. And now as we look at Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism, 
What we really want to do is look and see why Jesus was so special and so unique. So let's ask ourselves, who is this Jesus whom John baptized, whom John the Baptist baptized? This Jesus who, whom John the Baptist baptized. We'll see that he is true God and he is also true man. John, Jesus was baptized when he was about 30 years old. John the Baptist had begun his ministry sometime before that. He had already become quite well known because of his preaching out in the wilderness and because of the message that he was proclaiming. He was different from the other people who were proclaiming a message about God. And, well, he was unique, and so many people flocked out to him. Some of them flocked out to see him just because of his unique nature. They wanted to hear his message maybe a little bit, see what he was saying. But then they also heard that he was wearing garments made of camel hair, that he ate locust and wild honey, and they wanted to see who this was. And then there also were those people who truly were troubled by their sins. And that message of repent for the kingdom of heaven is near is something that they could appreciate. That call to repentance, to look to the promises of God for forgiveness so that their troubled consciences could be soothed with the wonderful message that John proclaimed. John was always proclaiming the one who would come after him, proclaiming the greater one, the one whose sandals he wasn't worthy to stoop down and to untie. But some of the people looked at John and thought maybe he might be the promised one. But again, then he always said, no, it's not me, it's one coming after me. On the day that John the Baptist baptized Jesus, that was really the climax of his work. He had prepared the way for the Lord, and now the Lord was there, and, well, Jesus' baptism, that marks his official installation, anointing into his office as the promised Messiah, the official start of his public ministry. And... Prior to that, well, Jesus had been involved in what you'd call more of a private ministry. He wasn't a public teacher before this time because, well, if you looked at how the Jews generally did something, well, if he was younger than 30 years old, it was inappropriate for him to be the, the leader, the teacher that he ended up being. But now that he was 30, it was more acceptable for him to go on out and, and preach and teach the people. When Jesus came to be baptized, at first John objected to that. He protested and said, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Though John was distantly related to Jesus, 
We don't know how often or even if, for that matter, John the Baptist and Jesus had actually met prior to this. John must have heard about Jesus and knew that he was a pious and a righteous man, that he was a great teacher. But because of his sinfulness, being in the presence of this pious, righteous teacher, John just didn't feel worthy to baptize Jesus. And at this point in time, it, it appears that John didn't really have a full picture of who Jesus really was at this particular time until after he had baptized Jesus. John said, I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. When in faith John knew that Jesus was the Christ, then he just had to say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's testimony, it tells us that Jesus is the true Son of God. As I said, John finally did consent to baptize Jesus and then our reading says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. That must have been one marvelous scene. In some special way, the heavens were opened for Jesus himself to show that the heavens were behind the work that Jesus was officially beginning to do. Jesus wasn't a radical reformer who was changing everything and saying everything that you've done in the past, it's all no good, it's, this is something totally new. Actually, it, Jesus' message, it's a continuation of what was going on throughout the Old Testament, except that Jesus is the fulfillment and the people were no longer going to have to look ahead to Christ because there he was with them. And now, well, the heavens opened to show the support of Jesus' work and and then also in the form of a dove, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus and that act is Jesus being installed or anointed into his office as the promised Messiah, the promised Savior, the our great prophet, priest, and king. Through the prophet Isaiah in our Old Testament reading, this anointing was prophesied already when Isaiah said, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nation. So the Holy Spirit's descending on Jesus that day at his baptism. That again is God's testimony saying that Jesus is the true Son of God. Then God the Father, in a voice from heaven, said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him 
I am well pleased. And now Jesus has always been and always will be the true Son of God. And, and he's the only one about whom that can be said. And of course, he's the true Son of God and he is God himself. You and I, we weren't always sons and daughters of God, God's children. We were conceived and born in sin, and that means we were children of Satan and sin. But the Holy Spirit, what he did is he graciously called us to faith and made us believing children of God. Jesus, however, he has always been God's beloved son. And now how wonderful it is for us to hear here, as he says, that that God the Father is well pleased with Jesus the Savior. He completely supported the work that Jesus was doing when he came into this world for us. And now think about how much that had to have benefited Jesus, well, right there at the time of his baptism and, well, throughout his ministry and, and especially when he was hanging there on the cross. Because there, what God the Father had to do is he had to abandon Jesus. He had to forsake Jesus so that Jesus could pay for our sins. But as he was being forsaken, Jesus could know God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were supporting him and his work. Well, John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father they reveal to us that Jesus is true God. In faith, that fact is something that is so clear to us, yet sad to say, it's the general trend of many religions today, even religions that profess to be Christian, to de-emphasize and even deny the fact that Jesus is true God. Oh, think of, oh, from a few years back, The Da Vinci Code, the movie and the book, and, and maybe the musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. Those things talked about Jesus as being just a man. But what, what good would Jesus, a Savior, be if he was just a man, if he wasn't the God-man? A Jesus who isn't, also true God, he couldn't pay for the sins of the world. He couldn't pay for anyone's sins, really, for that matter. He couldn't appease the wrath of a just God who says that, well, the wages of sin is death, eternal death. And that's what Jesus, what scripture says, the wages of sin is death and, and God demands that that payment be made and it's only the death of the God-man that could pay for the sins of the world. If, it, if he weren't the God-man, if he weren't God, well then we'd be on our own to get to heaven. We'd always have to live our lives in fear of death and hell. Let's thank God that he has revealed to us that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
the scriptures have revealed to us that Jesus is God, the Son of God, and our Savior from sin and our way to eternal salvation. But Jesus' baptism, what it also does is it reveals to us that Jesus is true man. No one of Jesus' day would deny the fact that Jesus was true man. And, and there are few people today who would deny that fact, who would deny his existence as a man. But see, it's important for us to know that he is also true man. He was born of a human mother as we were, but, but his birth was something that was special. Joseph was his stepfather. God the Father was his real father. And, and he was, well, conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit, a special miracle. So, so Jesus was true man. And because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that meant that he could also be true man and not like us sinful, but like us, unlike us, be without sin. Like all Jewish boys, though, back in his day, he was circumcised because he was also going to be under God's law. And John's baptism, that wasn't a part of the Mosaic law, but John's baptism was commanded by God. It was, John was sent by God to do what he did, and so that was a part of God's order. And so Jesus also, as true man, was baptized because that was part of his way to be our Savior. Jesus was commanded to be under the law just like we are. And, and, well, he was baptized just like we are. Well, just think about this. We need to be baptized because we're sinners. And, of course, Jesus wasn't a sinner. But the fact is, is that as he went to the cross, what he was doing is he was carrying the sins of the whole world. He was carrying my sins. He was carrying your sins. And so, so we say that it's because of our sins that Jesus needed to be baptized because he was carrying them. And we say that just as we also say it's because of our sins that Jesus needed to be crucified. Jesus said, it is proper for us to do this, that is, John baptized Jesus, to fulfill all righteousness. After Jesus' baptism then, when the Holy Spirit and God the Father showed their approval of, of Jesus being baptized like that, that gives us a little bit of an assurance that says, you know, our baptism is something that God the Father would be pleased with as well. And through baptism, we receive the wonderful blessings of God's grace and love and the forgiveness of sins. And, well, Jesus was baptized again because he was carrying our sins and he was under law and and he needed that as well. Well, Jesus, he had to be true man 
in order to be our Savior so that he could be our substitute who could die the death that we deserve because of our sins. But that fact that he was true man, that he still is true man, that gives us such great comfort because well, Jesus lived here on this earth. He knows what it's like to live in this sinful, sin-troubled world. He knows what it's like to live in this world with all of its problems and troubles and temptations being all around us. Hebrews tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Oh, he endured what we endure in this life and, and much more because, well, think about what he endured there at the cross. He was forsaken by God. He went through real hell. And the temptations that Satan went after him with, those temptations had to be so much more severe than, than the temptations that we face in this life because Satan, when he attacked Jesus, he was pulling out all the stops to try to get him. Well, Jesus knows what we're going through and thankfully he also promises us that he won't allow us to faith face more problems than we can handle with his help, with his help. And he promises us he's not going to forsake us. He's going to give us the help that we need to stand up to Satan and sin and all of the problems and troubles that we face in this life. Paul said, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And so Hebrews, the book of Hebrews also says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Who then is this? Jesus who was baptized by John. He is true God and he is true man and he is the only one who's qualified to be our Savior and, and he did go to the cross and he did save us from our sins. The Apostle Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Who is this Jesus? He is our way to salvation. He is exactly what we need and through faith we know he is. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we'll confess our faith. <clears throat> we'll confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> 
we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, you proclaimed him, your beloved son, and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Keep us who are baptized into Christ faithful in our calling as your children and make us heirs with him of everlasting life. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In our special prayers today, oh, we continue to keep Don Janicki dealing with a stroke, Paula Burris dealing with the infection in her legs and the surgery to open up the veins in her legs so that there's better blood flow through her legs to grant healing. Well, as we think of them, as we think of others in our congregation on our prayer list, we pray. Lord God, as always, as we're faced with different trials and troubles in this life, we ask you, if it's according to your will, please grant healing. But as always, we keep on saying, Lord God, please keep on giving us the wonderful healing that you give us through the gospel, that healing that's ours in the forgiveness of sins, in your grace and your mercy and your love. Keep on giving us that because that's what's going to make us so strong, well, strong to live in a sinful world, to keep on fighting the good fight of faith. Lord God, please keep on always giving us your help and your strength. We pray in Jesus' name and in his name we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you again for joining me for worship today. Just a couple of announcements to share with you. Monday through Wednesday, well, Ruth and I, along with Rick and Linda Hazi, will be going to a Lutheran Leadership Conference that's in Chicago. Should be back for our Wednesday worship that evening. In the congregation, the only birthday that I know of is that of Vicki Carpenter, and that's on, on Saturday. Mentioned Paula still dealing with that, with the circulation in her legs and Don Janicki, the stroke. Please keep them in your prayers. Keep remembering, well, Diane Kennedy's sister-in-law in hospice care and Paula's friend Marvel, who's in hospice care as well. Thank you again for joining me for worship. The Lord bless and keep you always. Amen.